society. The Norm Theater, located in the Subman Concourse, plays the hottest films Wednesday through Sunday. Go to ubcfilmsociety.com for full scheduling information. Sign up for a membership at The Norm and receive half price off admission and benefits. 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 Check out the FilmSock Facebook group for more info. FilmSock? I think so. Today on the Arts Report, Bridge Mix, a site-specific theatrical event, the film Crude Sacrifice at Doxa, and interview with Yardbirds guitarist Ben King, and more. Alright, welcome to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm your host, Adam Janusz. It is May 5th, 2010. To begin the show today, an important update about Red Bastard. The world-famous buffoon theatre artist Eric Davis, a.k.a. Red Bastard, is coming to Vancouver on May 17th and is offering a workshop to, quote, unleash your comedy monster. Now, here's the update. The deadline to sign up for the workshop was May 3rd, but it's been extended to May the 10th. For more info, go to the Greater Vancouver Professional Theatre Alliance website. That's gvpta.ca slash workshops and sign up. And a description of that workshop is a ferocious social satire is about to explode liberating the energy in the room with an immense uh, with an immense pleasure to parody and to play in this workshop participants will explore connecting with the audience parodying societal maladies and hypocrisy creating complex physical characters playing upon contrasts of theme and rhythm and being 100% present and captivating all right, moving on. Bridge mix. According to Wikipedia, bridge mix, or Grand Slam mix, is a type of candy consisting of nuts, fruits, and cremes, all covered in chocolate. Starting today, however, bridge mix is also a theatrical event in a multi-level parking garage on West Pender Street, featuring nine companies and a roving bar. I spoke with Jen Pitt earlier, an actor in one of the shows by Spectral Theatre. Tell me a little bit about East Side Ghosts and uh, your part in it. Okay, well, East Side Ghosts is a story about um, the Picton situation that happened a couple of years ago. And it takes place in a parking lot, and these five women who are um, prostitutes or somehow find themselves prostituting themselves and due to addictions to crack or meth or heroin, um, they're killed by him, and the play starts with their ghosts coming back to life to torment him and it's sort of it could either be his conscience and him going crazy or it could be the ghost actually coming to life in some sort of purgatory that they feel they need to get something settled with and so that's really open to interpretation and who do you play i play lisa not the first um woman he killed and um she's sort of the leader of the pack she conjures up the other ghosts and and remembers the dates uh he picked them up and the dates they died and um, I think she, she's the, the angriest one, and she's definitely not not the most, uh, she's not the victim, mm-hmm. in this, like, now in this situation where they're coming back. 
If I arrive and at the uh, at the parking lot and uh, I pay the entrance what's uh, just take me through it what's what happens to me okay well it's this big parkade on Pender and Fairlow it's uh, seven stories high so you'd uh, be taken up to the fifth floor and um, you would see one of the fr- every place about eight to ten minutes long so you'd see the first one um, in an audience standing up and there's a roving bar cart going along with you guys and you'll watch the first play which is in one corner of the parkade and then you'll go along and you'll see another one um, of them are comedies um, there's a hockey a sort of interactive um, audience hockey game that happens in, in one of the shows which is pretty fun um, then you go up, uh, go up the ramps, you see this art installation slash um, performance art piece that's a, that isn't really a play. That one's really cool. And then um, and then I think one of the other pieces is a dance dream-like piece um, that's also really nice. And then we have some clown and circusy stuff that happens, and then ours is a drama. Right. Uh, I heard there was a, a clown show and that if you have a fear of clowns, you should, you should beware. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. You should, but uh, it's definitely a ton of fun, and it's really surprising, and they're really talented. And that happens in one in one corner. And most of the plays have cars involved somehow in the park that move around the parkade as well. And it sounds like there's an, an audience participation component? Yeah. Um, not in all the plays, but they're definitely... Um, because you're really close, and so... Uh, definitely, actors will be brushing at you. Some of the some of the pieces require audiences to, to actually participate, and um, when there is an actual hockey game, it's actual audience members being pulled in to play hockey. What is the the common theme? Is there a common theme that links all the pieces together? Um, there is. Um, there's a couple, and they're they're mentioned in the end piece. But one is definitely uh, cars. Um, all the pieces of cars, and um, all the pieces discuss. Uh, coincidence and place and time somehow mm-hmm. so I guess those would be that would be the weave for all of them even though they do it in really different ways great and is this a, an annual event will it will it be back next year hopefully um, there's talk about putting it on next year um, they always take submissions um, for new plays um, which I highly encourage people to do and even if they could do more social justice plays they're really into that um, like, you know, Vancouver-related plays, I'd say. Thanks very much for speaking with us. No problem. So Bridge Mix uh, begins tonight and will involve the following theatre companies, Tiger Milk Collective, Up in the Air Theatre, Genus Theatre, Spectral Theatre, Slam Inc., Snafu, and Peter and Chris Show. Tickets are $18 for adults, $14 for students, uh, seniors, and the unemployed. The preview tonight, which starts at 8 p.m., is pay what you can. And the tickets are available at the door only. And it's at the Metro Parkade at 1070 West Pender, just off of Thurlow. We'll be right back. The North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and Conference takes over Toronto once again, June 16th to the 20th. North by Northeast showcases the best new music from around the world across dozens of genres. Rock, hip-hop, punk, country, blues, electronica, singer-songwriter, and more. It's your chance to catch breakout performances from tomorrow's stars. Five days, 50 stages, over 600 bands, plus 35 great music-related films, all for only 50 bucks. Wristbands are now on sale. 
Also available, full festival passes for North by Northeast industry conferences featuring celebrity interviews and networking sessions. The North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and Conferences, June 16th to the 20th, taking place in the heart of Toronto, Ontario. Visit www.nxne.com for tickets and up-to-the-minute festival information. Doxa, the documentary film festival, is starting this Friday, and it runs till May 16th. Last week, I talked about the opening film, Terra Madre, and today I'd like to tell you about a film showing this Saturday called Crude Sacrifice, a documentary about the Alberta tar sands. Here's the film's description. The environmental and human catastrophe that goes by the name of the tar sands of northern Alberta has wreaked havoc, not only on the people who live in the area, but also on the very ecosystem itself. Soil, water, and wildlife have all suffered the consequences of dirty oil production. Lawrence Carrada's incendiary film, some three years in the making, is a searing indictment of government collusion with corporate interests and a cri de coeur about the future of the planet. I spoke with Lawrence Carrada about the film at a recent media preview for Doxa, and he told me about the film, about the tar sands, and about documentary filmmaking. And here is that conversation with him. Crude Sacrifice is about democracy and dirty oil and how oil has um, really, really played a huge part in um, changing the, um, you know, the basic uh, political structure of Canada and how we are willing to compromise um, our environmental and um, sovereignty in order to produce, um, you know, oil for uh, external forces like the United States. So it, it discusses that process and then all the implications that sort of come from um, being involved in that situation. And one of those consequences is, is literally cancer. Can you tell yeah. me about that? Well, crude sacrifice is about the sacrifice of people and... Um, the land and water, the, the second largest um, freshwater delta is in northern Alberta, right next to the tar sands. It sits right next to them. So cancer is all part of the fallout from uh, the use and the breakdown of fossil fuels. And so um, all, all, there's a huge price to be paid for this uh, extraction process. And um, the story looks at uh, the people, some of the people, and some of the uh, fallout from this development. The, by the way, it's the largest uh, industrial development in the world, and it can be seen from space. So we've got a good show going on up there. And what's being done about it? It's, I mean, it seems like a lot of people don't know the, the scale of, of what's happening up there. What's, what's happening? What ha what's happening like, is what that is we're exporting 16% of the oil to the... 16% of the United States oil is, comes from Canada. We are the largest supplier of oil to the United States, not Saudi Arabia. So 
what we're doing is we're it's business as usual. It's business going on out of sight, out of mind, and there's a there's a there's a complete um, disconnect between what's going on and all those of us who um, are you know benefiting from the exploitation of this resource. And there's no discussion. There's no. There has never been a Canadian discussion about this this huge um, this huge development. And is that what you're trying to do with your film? Is to well, stu- increase the awareness? Stupidly, some people still believe that films are not just for entertainment. Um, they're not just uh, used for propaganda. That you, there should be uh, intelligent. Um, and provocative discussion and and an exchange of things and ideas and principles that can't be relayed any other way. And so uh, my I've worked in the industry for 40 years and I've used the camera and the trickeries of the art to do lots of things. But it's been a huge challenge to try and take the all the skill sets and the my values as as a creator to bring to bear on a tragedy that's taking place on our earth and a tragedy is taking place to our earth and those of us and those creatures that live here so do you think that um, it is a, a dying art form I mean um... well I think Canadian um, I think Canadian independent film production is finished, personally. I'm not talking about uh, grassroots films and, you know, the, the odd um, documentary, uh, uh, you know, features that people want to make. But the heritage that Canada has had in, in um, social films and social documentation is... Uh, one of a kind throughout the world. The heritage of the film board and many of the other independents that went before me and are continuing. We all, we were not paid the, to take on stories that traumatized us and to, to challenge people's emotions and their, 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 uh, their you know, their, 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 their ideas we did those things because of our training and because of our uh, profound insight and relationship with those people and experiences. And what what is which, which is what is really misunderstood now is that the the uh, journals of the world and the you know the television stations of the world you do not do quality examinations of any ideas in one week or one day or ten weeks. They take years and Crude Sacrifice took three years and most of my documentaries have taken five years. So if you're analyzing things, stories and the truth only comes out in time. And those with the patience and the big pockets used to have the opportunity to tell the truth. You don't get truth without time because time tells the truth. And so that, that's, what, that's what being an f- independent filmmaker is all about. It's not running out and making a video. And they should not be confused in any way. 
Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Unfortunately, the Saturday screening of Crude Sacrifice is sold out. Uh, that's advanced tickets. But a few rush tickets may be available at the door. To get all the information that you need about Crude Sacrifice and the festival overall, as well as the opening, which is this, uh, this Friday, go to DOXA's website. That's www.doxafestival.ca. We'll be right back. CITR 101.9 FM is proud to support the third annual Canada International Mariachi Festival, Friday, May 7th at the Chan Centre at UBC. Experience the excitement and culture of some of the best international mariachi performers, musicians, and dancers, including five mariachi bands from Mexico, the United States, and Canada. The third annual Canada International Mariachi Festival, Friday, May 7th at the Chan Centre at UBC. More information and tickets at mariachifestival.ca. So Dance House just wrapped up its 2009-2010 season, and the Arts Report's resident dance expert Melanie Cooksdorf checked it out with Zachary Rothman, and they bring us a review. Dance House, for those not in the know, is a dance series that brings top-quality dance companies from all over the world to the Playhouse here in Vancouver. And here is that review. Hello, CITR listeners. This is Melanie Cookstorf. And I'm Zachary Rothman. And we're here to review a dance piece from last Saturday, part of the Dance House series, the last one of this season. And it was by a, a company called Grupo Corpo from Brazil. And they came with their big company of beautiful Brazilian dancers. Um, and they brought two pieces, one called Parabello from 1997 and one called Broy from 2007. Now, the uh, choreographer and artistic director, Rodrigo Pederneras, you had to say it last time, I'll say it this time, Rodrigo Pederneras, um, music by Tom Zay, Zay Miguel Wisnik in the first piece, and Lenine in the second piece. And we had two very different pieces here, did we not? Yes, the first one felt very much like 1997 or perhaps 1992 or something. It felt kind of like the costumes that I would have been wearing in high school. Um, I'm not joking. And the costumes I might have actually found cool at the beginning of high school, but not so much at the end. Um, you it was like um, <laughs> super tight unitards on Brazilian uh, fantastic exports? Back in high school, we started a group called Dancers Against Unitards, so that explains my feelings. But um, so really bright colored unitards, and at one point they even came out with like, the men had nothing on top, which I can't complain about at all, and um, the women had little bandeau tops, and they all were wearing, br- the colors were really bright, and they were wearing these bell-bottom tights, which kind of went the way of the Congo line, I thought. But anyway... Um, it was it was just a little bit cheesy is how I felt about it. What about you? Uh, I would have said they went the way of the Lombada, but um, yeah, it 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 was it felt like a you know like a, a an eighties piece, uh, really big sweepy movements, uh, high high kicks. I mean, skillfully high kicks, but choreography that it didn't have any it didn't have any teeth. It didn't have any. Uh, 
anything biting about it, anything really interesting to offer. The music was great. Um, music being from that I recognized from the movie Mandabala, um, a Brazilian film from a couple of years ago. Also no. called Find a Bullet. Yeah, but that uh, film is really great. It's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the first piece, it just kept me hoping that the second piece would be better. Um, and thankfully it was quite a bit better. It was quite a different piece, much darker, uh, much more modern in its choreography. And, uh, you know, when I said the first piece didn't have any teeth, this one described as a poet, poetic translation of the violent, barbarous times we live in. The movements were violent. Uh, dancers would pick each other up and hold them at an arm's length and shake them with, you know, whiplash and, and, uh, it really got you. Um, it really made you feel kind of awful at times in this dance. And well, I really like that. Yeah, I liked um, the movement in this one. And I liked the intensity. They wore knee pads and, and shoes. And these times, this time, all I'm talking about is, are the costumes. But this time, the costumes were really iconic. And this is why um, this piece looked so interesting, actually, was in all their advertising. They had photos from this piece where they had their bodies sort of bisected in color, like either black or white, and then with these sort of hand-drawn grids and squares and zebra stripes. And it was really cool to see a whole group of, like, a pretty big company. And they would throw themselves onto the ground, and, um, yeah, the, the violent, barbarous times. Like, it, it didn't feel like a reflection of our lives or anything like that. Like, no. it felt the way they look is just so separate, but it was really interesting to watch their bodies. And um, it just felt a little bit easy sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, um, I felt like it was, you know, you know despite, I mean, I was moved in, in some way by this piece, but it, it felt, it felt empty. Uh, it felt sort of hollow. And, and one of the reasons why it felt that way is there is really, there was no lighting to speak. I mean, there were lights that were on, but there was no real uh, lighting design for this piece. Uh, it was all very simple kind of, a wash of light and with these costumes the way they were black and white there was a real opportunity for you know shadow and light and the play between them and and, and it was an opportunity missed um and, you know it's a newer piece but you would hope that these things would be fully formed before they take it on tour and and the absence of it really i think hurt the piece well and i felt like the the hollowness was it, it also came because i think boundaries weren't quite pushed enough like sure physically it was violent but then it would be like this is the go 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 section and then it was the slow crawl across the stage like really slow mm -hmm. lying on the ground then go 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 crawling go 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 <laughs> like and you kind of could predict what was going to happen so that i found maybe not um yeah. A bit of a flaw. But, but despite our... Uh, well, and I was going to say, I did actually quite like the second piece. Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot better than the first. I can't say I loved it, but but the audience did. Um, audience loved, loved it. it. Bursting at the seams with applause. They they almost gave a standing ovation for the first number. And, you know, they definitely did for the second. To be the critic in the crowd that, you know, is sitting there with your arms kind of folded. You know, I always feel bad about doing this, but... Everybody else but us seemed to love this piece. Um, so uh, if you ever get a chance to see it, um, do it. Well, and, and somebody pointed out to me, too, that, you know, Vancouver loves to see a really good dance company and really good dancers and dancing. And so that, I think, was kind of what was going on here. It's a great company. You don't get to see them very, um, this kind of dancing very often. It's such a big company, too. So that was special. Yeah, so, you know... 
Dan's House season is over. They'll start again next year. Uh, come out. Get out and see these shows. They're amazing. They're rare. And uh, you won't see them again. For CITR, I'm Zachary Rothman. And I'm Melanie Cookstorf. Good night. All right. And starting May 10th, Dance House is offering subscriptions to its 2010-2011 season. And for more information, you can go to www.dancehouse.ca. All right. Rolling right along. Uh, British-based rock band The Yardbirds have been around since the 1960s and are notable for starting the careers of Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and Jimmy Page. Arts Report contributor Nick Panu caught up with band member Ben King to talk music, as well as to talk about Vancouver's scene and the recent cuts in funding to the arts in BC. Right now we are standing here with one of the band members for the band, the band, the Yardbirds. Hey, this is Ben King. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. Uh, it's a real privilege to get this chance to talk to you. Again, uh, going back to the short clip we saw of your performance uh, the last night, the, the last show for Richards on Richards. Uh, how fitting was it uh, to have the New Yardbirds play? Yeah, your playing was, uh, it was a real standout. It's hard to believe that uh, before the Yardbirds in England, you actually hadn't played that much. Well, you're very, very young uh, and actually had played another band before. You, you just got out of college and yeah, what happened? How did you get to play with this band? Um. Well, I smoked cigarettes and, uh, <laughs> and was lucky enough to meet somebody who also smoked cigarettes uh, outside of the college one time. Uh, fantastic musician and one of my mentors in life, John Iden, wonderful man from Detroit originally. Um, he, 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 he's worked with the Yardbirds. He worked with the Yardbirds for probably uh, eight years, maybe more. I'm not entirely sure. Never really pay attention to all those details, but... Um, but he uh, he kind of was partly responsible for the whole thing happening. Also, Pete Friesen, a fellow Canadian, um, he, a great guitar player who's played with all kinds of people from Alice Cooper across the board to bands like The Almighty, but he was one of my... Um, he, he kind of taught at college, the college I went to. Um, the ACM in England, I'll give them a shout-out because I believe in what they're kind of going for. Um, it's just an academy for contemporary music, a great place for people that were in a similar position to myself growing up in the countryside or whatever away from everything what do you do you know you decide you want to play music and uh, a lot of musicians they go off to these cities and they go off to colleges and, and I went at a time which was just before the big YouTube boom where everyone kind of could get heard from wherever you know I mean this was just slightly before that so um, so you know I, I made this decision to go to this place to just network and luckily it paid off that I smoked <laughs> also if you can uh, delve into that whole dynamic because you mentioned this in the Q&A three generations are in this new incarnation of Yardbirds um, yeah well 
I reformed the group after John Iden left the, uh, the band about a year ago. Um, I reformed the group. It was a pretty gruelling process to try and put a band together that are going to represent such legendary status. So you kind of, you know, you, you, you can't, the media are tough. And if you go out there and suck, you know, if your last show sucks, you suck, you know. It's just kind of the way it goes. And uh, I, I had to kind of take... It was either going to fold or I was going to stand up and make it happen again. And, and I kind of believed in it enough as a launch pad to, uh, to kind of have a go at making it happen. And uh, I can tell you the first show that we did and the first run of shows that we did, especially in the US, weren't uh, definitely... Uh, they, they definitely were probably the most nervous moments of my life, stepping out on the stages and... Because Pete, the press were, had already exposed that it was me that had reformed the group and all the rest of it, and it's kind of like a similar thing to what Jimmy Page was going for back in those days. And and um, and yeah, I just hope we can continue. I'm I'm very proud of the the new members. Um, I think I honestly believe we sound better now than the band has ever sounded. Um, that's a bold statement to make, but you know. Um, there's a lot of passion involved in the band. There's some incredibly passionate musicians that would eat, breathe and sleep what they do. Um, and that's kind of what's important to me, I think. Um, to just be a part of something that's a living, breathing entity. You know, it's a, it's, We're not just a bunch of guys going out playing for beer money or we're not just out a nostalgia band from the 60s going out and cashing in, you know. This is the real deal. Like, Quickly, uh, one last question. Um, appreciate you, uh, you're gracious to take time to do this interview. Uh, there's an issue here in Vancouver with the art scene. We're facing funding cuts, 92%. You mentioned, uh, again, uh, going back to the Q&A, about how you've, you've played over 2,000 shows, but the live show, the last show for Richards on Richards, kind of mystique here in Vancouver, it really stood out to you. Uh, what vibe do you pick up from the whole scene over here, the music scene here in Vancouver? Well, I haven't really seen much of a scene, to be honest. I mean, I've seen I've seen uh, I've seen some posters for wonderful artists that have been coming through this city. I mean, um, there's a couple of shows. You know, I wish I could have seen. It's always the way I'm always watching who's playing where, and usually as a touring musician, you never get to see who you want to, but. Um, but there's always wonderful art coming through. Um, sometimes I don't think it gets the correct exposure, and I think it's not necessarily the artists, art, the art, and the artists that are not there. It's it's how it's marketed and how it's directed to what market. You know, I mean, I'd, people try their hardest, but I think uh, I just don't think people listen, to be honest, uh, in the same way. And I think that's kind of the key. There's a whole other subject matter in, in, in on it, you know, in its own right. Um, the fact that. You know, you've had some thick go back to all the 70s. People were really listening to the music. People were really experiencing what these musicians were trying to do because it was new and it was exciting. Now we've been led to believe that everything is almost the same old shit that's churned out. You know, I mean, I couldn't... I know there's great art being made all, at all times. I mean, there's great music coming out of every city. There's, a, there's so much of it, though. I mean, how do you sieve through all the stuff that's out there how do you give all of it kind of due credit where credit's due? Um, it's, it, I wouldn't want to take upon that task, you know. I mean, there is just so much out there now. I mean, you go and people sit... I mean, I, I'm a musician, and all my musician friends, I mean, we all sit there for hours on YouTube going through all this stuff, and it's just endless. 
endless ocean of amazing art. And, it, and you know, people are out there trying to make a living. They're trying to make money from doing this. And this is where it gets very, very tricky. Um, I don't have any profound answers or, you know, points to make on it. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that could explain it a lot better than, than I can. But, but um, you know, it affects me profoundly. And um, I'm going to do nothing but stand up there and shout for it along with everybody else that's out there shouting for it, countless others that are doing the same thing. And to hear, in relating that to the cuts, I mean, it's, just, it's sickening to me that, you know, you mentioned 92%. That's just hideous. <laughs> it's heinous. Um, to hear that kind of, that kind of you know, prospect. Um, so, um... So yes, I'd like to just wish everybody out there all the best that's going to continue on forth making art and playing music and doing all that great stuff. And remember, it's, it's play music, work music, play music. So have good fun with doing so if you can. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Nick, for that interview. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. It's the art support, of course. And now it's time for events. Let me tell you about some events coming up in the next few days. All right. The Arts Club Theatre Company presents the 10th annual public reading series, REACT. BC Plays in Progress. Uh, that started on April 25th and is still running until May the 16th, 2010 at the review stage at 1601 Johnson Street. React 2010 will feature four new works in progress by Dennis Foon, Bill Richardson, Veda, Heil, Marion, Ferrant, and the youth playwrights of the Arts Club Leap Playwriting Advanced Class. Admission is by donation, $5 suggested, and tickets are only available at the door. For more information, visit theartsclub.com. The UBC Film Production Program is putting on The Big Picture, a 40th anniversary celebration from May 5th till the 7th at the Pacific Cinematheque. And you can get more information at the Pacific Cinematheque website, which uh, I don't have listed here. I'm sorry. Moving on. Cirque du Soleil is offering a group hug Mother's Day special to see Kuza in Vancouver, an event that the whole family will enjoy. Proudly presented by Desjardins, Kuza will premiere in Vancouver on Thursday, July 22nd for limited engagement under the trademark blue and yellow Grand Chapiteau Big Top at Pacific Place. The Group Hub Hug Mother's Day special offer is now available to Cirque Club members only for an exclusive period until May 9th, 2010 at Cirque Mother's Day. Save 25%. Um, select tickets and performances when booking our Group Hug rate for three people or more. So you have to become a Cirque Club member, but it's simple and free, they say. Registration is quick and simple at CirqueClub.com. 
The Association of Book Publishers of BC launches their annual Poetry in Transit project. Uh, that was on April 28th, and to celebrate the launch, this year's Poetry in Transit of BC's, of Poetry in Transit, excuse me, uh, there will be a contest. Did you meet your soulmate while reading a poem together on the bus? Have you gotten into a heated argument with a fellow passenger over a line in a poem? Tell us your best poetry in transit story to be in contention to win the grand prize. All 16 books of poetry from this year's Poets. The deadline is May 31st. For further details, visit uh, www.books.bc.ca. The Ore Gallery is having a fundraiser called Do the Hustle. That's May 7th, and admission is $5. And you can get more information on that at www.orgallery, that's O-R-Gallery.org slash dance. And I have one more, just for you. Now, if you missed or couldn't afford the Vancouver Art Gallery's recent masquerade, you've got another chance to wear a mask and party down. Shift Performing Arts Society is having a fundraiser this Friday, May the 7th. There will be a raffle draw for some great prizes. There is a bar. And there's live music featuring Free City Collective and Pigeon Park. It all starts at 8 p.m. Tickets are $15, and it's in Port Moody, which is right beside Burnaby. Not that far away, really. Uh, if you want to get more information, check out the website, www.shiftarts.ca. And we'll be right back. Dignity. Respect. Beauty. Self-worth. Safety. Confidence. Choice. Hope. hope. The Beauty Night Society is a registered charity dedicated to helping marginalized women introduce trust, hope, and self-esteem into their lives. This is the first day Through its popular makeover program, the Beauty Night Society has touched the lives of thousands and reintroduced a healthy touch to the lives of vulnerable women throughout British Columbia, creating real life makeovers. Please visit www.beautynight.org for information on programs on how to help. Beauty night because dignity is beautiful. I think I was blind before I met you. All right, that is the end of our program for today. Thanks for listening. You can get in touch with me at uh, at uh, arts at citr.ca. Uh, you can uh, listen to the podcast of last week's show if you missed it. You can find that on www.citr.ca. That's our website, and just look for us under Shows. You'll find us there and a link to the podcast. And join me next week when we'll have more artsy goodness. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you. North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and Conference takes over Toronto once again, June 16th to the 20th. North by Northeast showcases the best new music from around the world across dozens of genres. Rock, hip-hop, punk, country, blues, electronica, singer-songwriter, and more. It's your chance to catch breakout performances from tomorrow's stars. 
Five days, 50 stages, over 600 bands, plus 35 great music-related films, all for only 50 bucks. Wristbands are now on sale. Also available, full festival passes for North by Northeast industry conferences featuring celebrity interviews and networking sessions. The North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and conferences, June 16th to the 20th, taking place in the heart of Toronto, Ontario. Visit www.nxne.com for tickets and up-to-the-minute festival information. Not alone.